welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and Midlife Career Rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, hey, Rebels. This is Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh bringing you an exciting episode. We are interviewing actually a dear friend of mine, Dr. Charlotte Jones-Burton, who has done some amazing things in her career. And I'm excited this season to not just talk about the things that help you become a strong, powerful woman in midlife in your career and making those choices that you need to make, but actually bringing women on who have made some of those powerful decisions in midlife, who have charted their own course and set their own path and been able to step into new realizations of things that they want to do in their lives and careers. So I'm excited that Charlotte is here today to talk a little bit about her own journey. So let's get started. Charlotte, I would love for you just to Quickly introduce yourself and let the people know who you are and all the amazing things about you that I already know that other people should know as well. Well, first, Carol, let me say Happy New Year to you. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm looking forward to our conversation and hope that some of the words that I may say today will resonate with your listeners. As you mentioned, my name is Dr. Charlotte Jones-Burton, and when thinking about who I am, I, I always like to start by telling you, you know, why am I here on this earth versus going through, you know, a list of accolades, and hopefully it'll be brief, but, you know, I'm really here to have impact, and what I believe my purpose is, is to create healthier communities through some of the things that I do that happen to elucidate who I am. So one, I really am working in the pharmaceutical industry. So when I say creating healthier communities as a physician scientist, I make medicines for people who have serious diseases. So that's one thing that I do. The other thing is advocating for patients which as a physician, that doesn't probably will not shock anyone. And then the last thing that I do, and I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this because I believe that there is no one person that does anything by themselves, is I empower people and engage people to live their best lives and have the impact that they would like to have. I Absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing that because I often talk about that who we are is not what we do. Like we're so much bigger than that. And when we know who we are, when we know what our purpose is, when we lean into what matters to us and the impact that we want to make in the world, that the possibilities of what you can do become endless, right? That they just expand beyond the parameters of just one job title or one job or even one career. And so I love that description. And I 
think that is brilliant that knowing who you are and and what you want to do in the world, you know, really guides you. So in in line with that, you know, I know you have your quote unquote day job (laughs) that you do as a physician, as a scientist, you know, a researcher who is changing the lives in the pharmaceutical industry with the work that you're doing there. But I also know that you founded an amazing organization called Women of Color in Pharma, or WOSUP, that is affectionately called. And I would love to hear about that because it started off, I remember just, you know, full disclosure, Charlotte and I have known each other for a while and we're in Paris talking about this idea that she had. And it was a beautiful idea and something that was passionate for her that has just really expanded into something absolutely amazing. And I would love to know, to hear your side of your story about, you know, where Wilson came from and how you started it and what was your vision and where it was and where it is now. Yeah. Thank you for that. And that was an amazing trip that we had. In yes. So I still remember it fondly. So WOSUP, as you mentioned, Women of Color and Pharma is a nonprofit organization that I created with the intent of empowering women of color like myself who are in the pharmaceutical industry to really take control and be the CEO of their lives, to seek their own personal and professional development so they could have that impact that I talked about as I was telling you, your audience, a little bit about myself. And why would I want to do that? Well, I have this vision that in order for us to transform the industry and really this industry is focused on, as I've mentioned, creating, you know, medicines and vaccines. You know, we are in the midst of a pandemic, diagnostics for patients who have serious diseases. It really is for all patients. So how do we ensure that we transform our industry so that all patients, including Black and Brown people globally, can have access to things that will impact health outcomes. And so, as I mentioned, it's not something that one person can do alone. And so WOSIP is what I created so that I'm not the only one working on this vision that I have. I love that. And so you had this idea, you had this vision, and how did you take it from just the thought and idea into what it is today? Well, the first thing that I'll say is I never imagined what what we have today in terms of the organization would be what it was. I'm a big thinker. I'm visionary. So I really just said, hey, this is what I think, you know, we need to do in order for me to reproduce other people who are mission-driven like myself, and we need to come together. There was a problem that I was trying to solve because when I came into the industry, I felt like I was an outsider looking in. And I really sat for two, three years, really not understanding and not having impact. And so time was wasted. And so I wanted to make sure that someone else like myself who came into the industry would not have that experience. And so that's a smaller part 
of the complicated puzzle that I wanted to solve. And that's where I started. So I started with something very simple. I had a vision as I've articulated, but I started simple trying to solve a problem. It was an everyday problem. And that was a magnet for other people to join because they said, hey, look, I have that same problem. And if I come together in community with other people who are like me, that will help me. And that really is the beginning of the journey. And it has blossomed into what we have today. So how old is WOSAP now? So WOSAP is, I mean, technically we started in my family room in 2015. So that is... Like how many women? With there were about twenty five of us. Okay. I mean, you know, my family room's not that large. Yeah. So we started in my family room in March of twenty fifteen, and we had our first annual conference in twenty seventeen. And fast forward, we just had our fifth annual conference in November of twenty twenty one. So 25 women in a living room. And at your last conference, how many women? I mean, what's the membership now and the, the attendance now? Yeah, so the uh, the organization, we have over 9,000 in our network. We have 900 paid members, 30 corporate sponsors. And at our last conference, we did a hybrid conference because of the pandemic, We had approximately 80 people in person, but we had over 700 who had registered to join us virtually. Wow, that is so powerful. So when you sit back and think of, you know, going from an idea to this global organization, because you have members around the world, it's not just in the U.S. I mean, most of it is international, like, how does that feel? Like, what, is that, what does that um, mean for you in terms of, you know, the, re- the impact and the realization of your dream? Well, I'll tell you, I often don't pause to reflect, but it's been a reflective season for me the past few weeks. And one of the things that started the reflection is we had at that conference in November, our first ever gala where we gave awards. And I didn't know this, but I was given the first Global Icon Award. And when you ask the question, how does it feel to create an organization? I think that was the first moment that I paused. I kind of stopped. And I it was, I said, this is changing lives. And Although, you know, that's what I set out to do. I said, I want to have impact. It's very humbling to be, my mother always said, you know, probably my grandmother said, give me my roses while I'm alive. And so that was a give me my rose type of moment where I really sat back and I was, I was, it just blew my mind Mm -hmm. to not only have, the award given to me, but the forethought that had to go into it. And then seeing, I said, the mission of the organization is for women to take control and actually develop themselves. So I was able at that event, because our members and the leaders that I've been working with 
were the ones who were on stage presenting the awards and talking about the organization and the poise and the the way in which they ran the entire event was absolutely amazing. And so it is humbling and I'm honored to have the responsibility because it is a responsibility. I'm honored to have the responsibility of leading the organization. Yeah. I mean, you have like, you know, taken side hustle to a whole nother level. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is is totally, it's on steroids. And, you know, so many people, you know, have ideas or visions or things that they want to do or dreams that they want to have or step into in their career. And, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, mindset on this podcast and how we have to really manage our thoughts and and really become the CEOs of our lives and to take control of what it is that we want to step into. And that's what we do in the Career Rebel Academy. And that's what, you know, we talk a lot about on this podcast. And I know that fear of the unknown and or getting it right or just mindset stuff in general can really hold women back from going after what they want and stepping into that next iteration of their life and career. When you were going through the process of, you know, because you didn't have to do this, you had a, a you have a fantastic and amazing career. Um, you know, you could have just brought people together and just, you know, connected monthly and, and did something, but you really had a vision for something bigger and were able to inspire other women to, to join with it. But through that process, did you ever you know, struggle with, you know, like, how was your mindset? Did you think, was there moments of you like, what am I doing and things of that nature? And if so, how did you move, keep moving through and overcome that? Yeah. Well, what I would say is I never doubted myself. Mm. I always have the mindset, if not me, then who? And if I see that there is a problem that needs to be solved and it fits within my value system and my mission, then if not me, then who? So, you know, I think that's the first thing is, and I find that people don't know what their why is, why they're here. Mm. And they don't even know what their values are. I mean, I don't know if you remember in Paris, but we were going through what my values were. Um, and because I believe that's that's where you have to start. You really have to do the work. And so once you're grounded and clear on your why, that I believe was the thing that gave me the confidence and the courage that the way in which I was moving was aligned with my values, my core values. And then after that, you know, I think that, and I mentioned earlier, no no one person does anything alone. Then I had to just identify people who could be with me and go on this journey with me. Ah, love it. You are speaking my language because I believe so strongly, you know, so often people focus on the external stuff first, you know, what they want to have and get to and they forget there's so much internal stuff that they have to work through. And so I love what you said about, first of all, knowing why you're doing it to begin with and letting that be a strong driver. 
And then really making sure that it was aligned value alignment in terms of what you do. Because, you know, I always talk about, you know, it's not about balance, it's really about alignment. You know, what you do, your career alignment, life alignment, you know, because it's just one part of the whole ecosystem of you. And so it's important to have that connection, but also not doing it alone. You know, community is so powerful and we could go so much further together than trying to go to try to go it alone. So, you know, what do you think is some of the biggest challenges that women have around going after that, around taking that time to, you know, get their why, to understand, you know, their value alignment? Like so many people just go through and like I said, they focus on the external or they're just on autopilot and they just don't stop and do that work you know, that, you know, we had the luxury to, to, to do together in such an amazing place in the world. But what do you think are some of the biggest challenges around women doing that and stopping to answer those questions for themselves? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the biggest challenges is women want to help others and they're nurturers to the extent of really, you know, killing themselves and not, as you mentioned, pausing to work on self. And I do think that that's a part of working on self, doing the internal work, really being reflective and coming up with, you know, what would make you happy. I think that is the biggest thing that I see people don't do. They don't want to sit with themselves. And when I did it, I mean, there was some ugly stuff that came up. And you have to work through that. So I I think that that's the big thing. The other thing that I see is I see a lot of fear. And I believe that comes from a need or a desire. Maybe it's even a society that has said, as women, you have to be a certain way Mm. subconsciously you have to be better than, you have to be perfect. And I I think, and there's, you know, there's data, this has been studied in terms of women that by the time we get to, you know, 12, 13, and you compare girls to boys at that point, you begin to see the confidence has suffered. Whereas early in earlier years, you don't see that. And so I think there's a societal component. The way in which it shows up in women is that it prevents some women from moving forward and jumping, for example, Mm. because there is this intense internal questioning always of, is this the right thing to say? Is it the right thing to do? Or talking yourself out of doing it because what if what happens if you fail? And you know what it resonates with me, you're either winning or learning. So a failure is an opportunity for you to learn and you can fail your way forward. And so I think that one of the things that prevents women from you know going after their dreams, I'm not sure this was my dream, but as you've mentioned, it's a big side hustle and it's definitely my vision, but what will prevent women from going after that is the fear. And then I think the last thing that I would say is breaking things down to its simplest form Mm -hmm. 
is so critical. And I think that we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. And that prevents people from, you know, achieving. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I love that. A recent newsletter I sent out was about falling in love with failure that, mm-hmm. you know, that we really have to, it's, it's the, it's the currency, almost the pathway to any type of success is that you're going to trip and fall and, you know, we have to expect it. And I think we're so afraid of it, even though we've experienced it and lived through it before, but, you know, the idea of it can really kind of keep you behind. And absolutely. I love that you mentioned the societal pressures and the narratives and the stories that just keep women held back that, you know, prevent them from really, you know, moving forward and stepping forward is so important. You you mentioned that, you know, there were some struggles for you along the way, some things that you had to overcome. What kept you moving through to push through those things that you had to overcome and not just say, you know what, I'm done. (laughs) Because I think when people do meet those roadblocks, sometimes people see that they take it as a sign that, oh, I shouldn't be doing this or, you know, this is the wrong way to go. Like, you know, to your point, you know, maybe make it too complicated and maybe over-dramatize it a little bit. But, you know, for you on this process from 25 women to a global international organization with, you know, that's doing some amazing, massive things that are impacting the lives of thousands and thousands of women, you know, around the world. What hurdles did you hit? And you don't have to be very, you know, to go into a lot of detail, but more importantly, like what pushed you through them to say, no, we're still going to move forward? Yeah. You know, one of the hurdles is that because there is no book that came with this organization. And yes, I'm sure there is a book about how to create a company or how to create an organization, but I believe that every organization is unique. And one of the hurdles has been, how do we organize ourselves to get the work done? What model do we utilize? And I'll say that we've reorganized three to four times. And what has allowed me to move forward and do that is the mindset, the mindset that every time we need to change, we're learning something. And then that is going to help us get to the solution. And because I said I set out to solve a problem, I have a strong belief that there is an answer out there to this problem. And it is incumbent upon us as an organization to go after it. And we have to evolve as many times as needed to get to the answer. And we haven't gotten there yet. And I don't know when we're going to get there, but what I do know is that we're going to continue so that we can do it. So it's it's having grit, it's having a mindset that it can be done and that we're the right people and I'm the right leader to do it and pivoting when you need to pivot. Yeah. Oh, that is just gold. <laughs> gold because you know, I often talk about getting away from this rigidity of the one way, the one thing that we've been 
talked about, we've been talked to about it, internalized that there is a path as opposed to, no, let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's regroup and let's try something else. So having that agility and that fluidity and knowing that, like you said, it's not failing, it's learning. And so we tried this, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, I often tell people that, uh, you know, the story, I, I was telling uh, my clients the other day that the cleaning product 409 formula, if people remember that, I don't know if it's still out there or not, but the reason that it's called 409 formula is because it was the 409th formula that they got right to make that product. And so, you know, a lot of people do start things and they quit so early because they make it mean something about themselves that, oh, I must be a failure if this didn't work as opposed to, oh no, I know I'm good. I just, this process isn't working. So let me figure out how to make it better. And I mean, that is just a lesson in any type of stepping into the career life you love in terms of creating, you know, something that you want to do in the world is to know that the path isn't paved with just easiness all the time, but to embrace that there'll be challenges and that you still need to move around it. And I love how you talked about how mindset, it is so key. It's it's the key. You know, to your point to do that, you know, you took time, you said, to really kind of think through this and reflect it. And I know that, a lot of you know women don't take the time like they don't see the value sometimes in the per- personal development as well as the professional development right we've been trained to go after the brass ring to go after the accolades to go after you know the stuff that looks good externally but to spend the time to spend the money to spend the investment in self to really do this work, you know, I always say it's an inner game and an outer game, right? It's both like what you're going on inside as well as what's doing on the outside, you know? And so some of the biggest objections I often hear from people in like either working with a coach or working with other people or getting that support, you know, like, oh, I just don't have the time or I don't want to invest the money. How did you, did you come up with that? Any issues around that? And how did you overcome that? Or what's your advice for women when they have that type of mindset or that type of objection around this kind of stuff? Interestingly, I didn't. And it may be because I'm an only child. If you talk to my husband, he'll say, that's the only child. That's the only child's way of looking at it. Um, (laughs) Or it could be that, I had such a deep appreciation because my mother was an entrepreneur and I watched the amount of time that she put into herself and into others. So I think those two things are reasons why those were not my challenges. Mm -hmm. But I do come in contact with a lot of women that I have to convince them that you will need to invest in yourself, invest in terms of money, invest in terms of time. And it's really hard for women to do that. But that is a value of WOSUP, self-investment. It's like at the top of the list because I have encountered it with people so much. And, you know, when we're on the airplane, they say, in the event of an emergency and the airbag falls down, put it on yourself first. And then, you know, someone else who may need it, who's with you. And that is such a hard thing for us to apply to our lives, our daily lives, but it, it absolutely has to happen. And when my son was maybe eight or nine, I really needed to 
do that, just invest in myself because I felt as if I was losing myself. And so I do try to impart on women that it's so important to invest in yourself. Yeah. So for women who are, what advice would you give to them if they're sitting on the fence about, you know, putting themselves first, their careers first, to invest in themselves to to help move them forward in what it is that they see that they want to have in their life and career? What would you what would you say to them to help kick them off the fence and get into get into gear? It's really simple. The first thing I would do is I would say it's okay for you to want to do this. And in fact, you need to do it, but it's okay. So it's that permission that I do think that sometimes as women, we need. And the second thing I would say is just do it. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it really is, you're either, you're going to do it sometime. You're either going to do it now, or you're going to do it in five or 10 years when you look up and you still don't have what it is you desire because you didn't do the work. And so you're going to spend the next five years or 10 years not having it when you can spend the next five or 10 years going after it. So just do it. Ah, that is fabulous. Yeah. I think for powerful, high achieving, smart women, like we've normalized this idea that asking for help, getting support, taking care of ourselves is like a sign of weakness or something that we're supposed to be too strong to do this self-care work. And we have to shift, I think, that conversation and not normalize not getting help, but normalize self-care, self-preservation, prioritizing self, and yeah, doing it. Because you're right, you know, you can do it today or you could do it tomorrow, but how much better would it be to do it today and not deal with all the suffering that you have to go through for the next few years because, you know, you have it in your head that you can, you're strong enough to take care of by yourself. So I absolutely love that. So I just want to ask you, you know, we, this is the midlife career rebel podcast. And I always talk about, you know, being a rebel that, um, you know, a woman who is a rebel is one who's not going to sit by and take the status quo. Who's not just going to follow the, the plan that everybody else has, but really has finds her voice, finds her why knows who she is and goes after what she wants to do. When you think about being a midlife career rebel, What comes up for you? And many of the things that you mentioned are things that come up for me, which is, you know, challenging the status quo, not just going with what someone is telling you. I think that's really important. Having the courage to use your voice, understanding your worth and being willing to articulate that and actually use with words and knowing when to say no and when to leave when things are not lining up with either your values or what you expected for yourself. And the the one thing that I would add with it, and I think this is the WOSUP story, is bringing others along with you. Mm. It is not just about you, but thinking through who else within your sphere of influence can be a rebel just like you. Ah, oh, love it. This has been absolutely amazing. You are absolutely amazing. And the nuggets and the wisdom that you have dropped are just gems of gold that, you know, people could spend a lot of time just digesting and 
and just thinking about, I, I would love for you to share, you know, where can people, if people are interested in being a part of WOSUP or learning about WOSUP, you know, I know WOSUP also has a foundation, you know, that people can, if you're not in pharma, but you really want to contribute to the cause and the, the purpose of the organization, there's, there's always ways, I think, to be able to be involved and really support the work that you're doing. How can people find more information and, and what would you suggest that they do to get started? Well, there are a couple of ways that they can learn more about uh, women of color in pharma. Our website is one, which is wosip.org, W-O-C-I-P dot O-R-G. The other way is we're on all the social media outlets. We have the most activity on LinkedIn. And we also have a group on Facebook, both for our professional society. And as you mentioned, we do also have a foundation and are looking for others who have a similar mission to join us in this journey. That's awesome. And I will make sure all those links are in our show notes so that you can easily find them. Dr. Charlotte Jones-Burton. My friend, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your wisdom. Absolutely. And listen, please, if you found some amazing nuggets from this particular podcast, I invite you to share them with family, friends, and colleagues. Don't forget to find us at your favorite podcast location and subscribe, leave a review and a comment when you can. And as usual, have an amazingly rebellious week and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Hey, if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, then you've got to come check out the Career Rebel Academy. It's where you'll get the individual help and support you need applying the concepts and strategies you're learning here and so much more. You'll be joined by a community of other rebels just like you, and I'll be there as your guide every step of the way. If you're genuinely looking to change the course of your life and career, I promise you, this is the place you'll want to be. Just go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash career dash rebel dash academy. I can't wait to see you there.